0: For everything you want to know about real estate, it's time to take action. Schedule today. sitdown.com is the way.
1: Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. I'm GeForce O'Neill, the real brains of this operation. Hey, Dad, can we go get a sandwich?
0: All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 147 of The Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don. We're live from the shores of South Lake Union. Uh, like a but we're still social distancing.
1: We are, and live in the Les Schwab Studios. I don't think they're supposed to deliver the tires to my actual uh, the Les Schwab Studios, but here we are, surrounded by tires.
0: Hey, coming up on The Ron and Don Show, I want to talk about the fact a lot of people have lost their jobs, and I want to talk to you if you have lost your job, because recently Ron and I lost our jobs. So we can relate to you, and I want to talk about that. Because it's painful, you guys, but it's also, it can also be a very exciting time in your life. Let's also talk about this. Seattle Seahawks have just announced that for the first three games, there's going to be no home fans. Other teams around the National Football League are saying, yeah, bring it on. We're going to have fan pods soon. And uh, also, what about this tough guy mentality around the NFL, and with tough guys like us in general. Uh, It was kind of interesting. You had a conversation with somebody, and we'll get to this in a moment, uh, that said, hey, the Seahawks may be taking a different
1: approach on this. Well, we're going to see how it works out. Will Disley, uh, who's a tight end, had season-ending injuries back-to-back. He did something kind of unheard of in his press conference Zoom call, and I'm interested to see if there's any cultural change to that at all. Okay.
0: Before we get going, uh, before we get to that, let's get to this. How would you describe to everyone the way that I look right now?
1: I'd say you look like a cross between a coal miner and a homeless man.
0: Okay. Uh, why, Why do you say that? And what's the coal miner part? And what's the homeless part?
1: Well, the coal miner is sort of like this dirty hat yeah. that's sweat rings and yeah. like looks like coal dust has been ground into it uh-huh. uh, your face is sort of uh modeled with I don't, <laughs> some sort of foreign substance yeah uh, clothes are very dirty you're kind of walking like a like a, a world war Two veteran yeah. in a lot of ways so it's just sort of a shambling rambling uh, coal miner-esque yeah. slash I got, uh, I got disabled injuries. veteran. You, you
0: help me just duct tape my knee. So. Yeah, we have
1: a duct tape. I should do a, we should do a Facebook Live <laughs> right now with your knee yeah. duct tape with a this, piece this of This is what
0: ha- is happening. I'm really excited. 15 months ago, 15 months ago, I bought a house with a partner, two partners, actually. My friends, uh, Joe and Jennifer, we bought this house together in the U District, and we've been working on it for the last 15 minutes,
1: and there's a lot of work to do. Hey, who helped put the the board down first? This guy right right here. I did one day of labor. What did you do? I helped tape down the the hardy board or whatever it was on the floor. The ram board. Ram board, yeah. The
0: hardy board goes on the side. The ram
1: Ram board, board. whatever. I did it.
0: Any, this is the
1: we're done. This is this oh, congratulations. This is
0: the week we're over there. We're cleaning up. I'm finishing up the sod.
1: It's nothing better. That's the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah,
0: and so we're really excited to start showing it to people. And and we also created one of the units is affordable housing. So we're we're pretty pumped about that. So this week I did something to celebrate. And I'm just wondering. Let me take my hat off. Do you notice? Do you, do you notice what I did?
1: You got a sunburn? No. Oh, you got, did you get frosted tips? No. What? You don't see it? No. Really? Did you get Botox? What what'd you do?
0: I I had infant penis cream.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, don't knock it till you try it. Infant infant penis cream. Uh, uh, it it, 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 what, it was. What
1: does this even mean? It was
0: buffed into my face. It's supposed to. So I've had all this scarring my whole life, right? Is this, this a real thing? Yeah. So I've had this scarring my whole life. So I went to see my friend Liz. She's at Skin Spirit uh, over in the U District. And so with some of the scarring, I were having pictures on Friday at the house. And so I wanted to look good for these pictures. So I went to see her and she said, you know what I'm going to do? Let me, let me, let me work on Cause the, the scars get worse now as I've gotten older. So she said, let me work on the scars a little bit. So she did that. As she's doing this, she hands me two boobs to hang on to, which was fantastic. They, these are not her boobs. They're just,
1: they're implants.
0: Doing- yeah. So I'm over there. She hands me, this, she hands me a little fan. And uh, I used this fan last time. I got the butt pirate uh, facial that I, no, the vampire. Not the pirate. <laughs> vampire. So anyway, I'm there. I'm hanging on to these two silicone things. And then uh, she has to be all gowned up and face mask and all that. So she sticks these needles in my face. That's why it's, it, do you see that? It's kind of bruised over here.
1: I see your eyeballs bruised.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bruised up. Uh, that will be great for the photos. So anyway, uh, she gets all done, and she's like, you know what I'm going to do to really help the healing process? And I said, what? She says, I have this cream. It's like $500 a bottle. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Let's let's use the cream. So she puts the cream on, and then when she gets done, and it kind of smelled kind of funny. And I'm like, what is this? And she said, it's infant. It's it, 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 Somehow, it's some kind of infant penis cream. What? <laughs> and this is something that women do, I guess, at a lot of these skin studios. Uh, I don't and even I've, want to know how this is made. What's that?
1: I don't want to know how it's made. I don't. I,
0: I. I don't. I don't exactly know myself. But I looked in the mirror today, and I'm like, "Hey, you do have a healthy glow." That I thought I was glowing.
1: I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was just the sweat and combined with uh, the homeless look. I
0: was putting in. Saddle. You're
1: homeless chic right now. I was. T-
0: <laughs> anyway, if you need a good skin skin person, go see my friend Liz. Uh, she's awesome at Skid Spirit and you Village, and maybe you'll get some infant uh, penis cream on your face too. So,
1: I don't think that's the name brand, but maybe it is. It'd be hard to market. It's a good point.
0: I wasn't interested until I had, woke up with this glow today.
1: Maybe I should go see her. I'm starting to get some wrinkles. Yeah, you might need a. F-
0: she she said Ron should come by and I'll do a touch up. I don't even know what a touch up what, is. What touch
1: up on what? I don't I've know. been told I have good skin.
0: No, she saw. Uh, uh, and we got to take a break. She said that she saw you in a photo and she could make you look better. Great. How do you, how do you feel about that?
1: probably true <laughs> i want to deny it but it's probably true <laughs> be
0: careful she puts some cream on it at the end it doesn't tell you exactly what it is all right he's ron i'm don it's episode 147 thanks for stopping by you guys and don't forget we have a new website we'd love for you to check it out it's called ron and sitdown.com, and we put together teams and we go out and we buy and we sell real estate so congratulations to team ruth in fact we just sold ruth's penthouse on Green Lake. So, congratulations to Team Ruth. That's kind of exciting. You want to put a team together? Ron and We'll see you on the other side of this. You're listening to the Ron and Don show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. That's what Heather and Juan Carlos did. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. So now we had to sell our old house.
1: We had to sell it because we couldn't have been able to afford, you know, paying two mortgages. And
0: Ron and Don had already been thinking of strategies the whole time. They were strategizing what 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 will we do if this and what will we do if that. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price, we did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience, and the buying process was wonderful in the selling process. It felt like we were their most important project.
1: I couldn't be happier with the experience we had.
0: We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. (laughs) We were all just jumping up and down. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. everybody it's the
1: Ron and Don show Ronandon.com.
0: Alright you guys welcome back episode uh, 147. Let let I'm gonna I'm gonna share a couple of phrases I want Ron to share a couple of phrases that our parents and in my case my father actually used uh, when I was growing up these are real phrases this isn't something I heard on TV or something that somebody else said and you have to believe if my father used these phrases he learned them from somewhere all right he learned them from somewhere when we would go over to Tommy Bennett's house We would uh, misbehave, and a lot of times we'd end up lighting matches. And my sister Beth, she loved to light matches and set things on fire. We would get in trouble, and then we'd have a 13-mile trip from Zion, Illinois, the way to Gurney, and the truck, the Suburban, The family wagon would just be silent because we knew what was coming. My dad would line us up at the fireplace when we got home. Sometimes he would pull out a two by four, which looked kind of ominous, but when you think about it, hitting someone with a two by four in the buttocks doesn't hurt that much. It's when he brought out the really thin belt, or he had my brother Jack go out to the willow tree. And we would be asked to bend over, to grab our ankles, sometimes pull down our pants, and that's where you wear, you know, you do the Bobby Brady thing, or I think it was Peter Brady that put the plate. Uh, in his <laughs> right. Do you remember that? Yeah. He put the plate in his pants because he knew that Florence Henderson was bringing the wood. So, nonetheless, and you wouldn't think Florence would do that. God rest her soul. And and Mike Brady too, uh, who was an architect. Yeah. Right. Anyway, my dad would say, uh, bend over, and then we would start crying in unison. All four of us start crying, and he would say, "Don't start crying. I haven't given you a reason to cry yet." And then he would smack us, and then I would hear, and he would start with my brother, and then my older sister, and then me, and then sometimes my little sister would be involved here, and this this incredible scream would come out of all of us, and then he would say, "You can go ahead and cry now," and then he would say, "This hurts me more than it hurts you, hurts me more than it hurts you," and you're sitting there, just your mind's kind of blown, and you're seven, and you're just like okay this adult is telling me that this hurts them more than it hurts me but it's really hurting quite a bit right now and then it also seems to be hurting my other siblings and he seems to be getting some kind of joy out of that so that was something that my father always said before he bent us over or before we went and got a switch what about your parents they say anything like this
1: um, I don't know if my parents. Uh, I get where we're going because the story we're going to talk about is very interesting to me. Uh, my thing was always around physical pain mm-hmm. uh, in 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 athletics that I remember. Men that I looked up to is mostly, almost exclusively men that would just tell me to either to to walk it off, shake it off. But like coaches. So uh, I remember one time I had uh, in a football practice, and you know that it was Coach Johns who you know, um, uh, no Coach Hall. This was Coach Hall. Um, a screw, a helmet screw came out of the um, the opponent's helmet. And it went into my arm. Mm. So the pointy part of the screw Ouch. went into my arm. I still have the scar. It's right here on my bicep. You can see the scar right there. Oh, you do? So the helmet screw, we, we collided. Wow. His helmet slid off of my helmet. And the helmet screw punctured my arm. And it was sticking in my arm. Mm. I went over. I'm, what am I, 13, 14 years old? Something like that. Maybe 15. And I am I go to my head coach. He, re, he grabs my arm. He pulls the screw out. Mm. and he sticks his finger in there, there's blood coming out, and he goes, you're fine, walk it off. Mm. A screw in my arm tells me to walk it off. And so no acknowledgement of my pain, a trauma, I don't like to see blood squirting out of my arm, that was really weird. So the trainer just put a piece of tape on it, and I went back into the game. Mm. And so the message that that sent to me uh, for my entire life is to ignore physical um things from your body
0: rub some dirt on it
1: yeah rub some dirt on it walk it off mm-hmm. uh, it, don't acknowledge don't pay attention and or acknowledge your physical signals. Mm. Only acknowledge your brain and what other people are telling you. Yeah. And so, like, this last weekend, I had a day where I just, like, shut down. And I wrote about it. It's on my Facebook. You can find it. But the, I saw an article today from Will Disley, Seattle Seahawk, where he had to do a media a press conference, Zoom. And he talked about how difficult it was for him emotionally. Go ahead.
0: Uh, and I should just explain. Will Disley is a great tight end. Catches passes, makes touchdowns. He's awesome. Problem is, though, the last two years he's gotten hurt. And then the concern is, will he get hurt again this year? And it's one of the reasons why the Seahawks... Typically, you'd carry two or three tight ends. They're carrying five right now. So he could be a superstar, but people are questioning his toughness.
1: Yeah. And so he came out in his, his his media day and basically said, this was very difficult for me, and I need to talk about it. Oh, really? And so he wanted to talk about kind of this journey of rehabbing back-to-back years, and it struck me as, I wonder if the culture is changing in, in the NFL. And then if we zoom it out, if as a society, we can change this. Um, and so I was, I was talking to someone that knows more about this than I do. is actually my, my therapist. And she was like, most of the, her theory was, most of the time when I was growing up, That those adult men that now looking back, were probably just in their 20s or early 30s. They weren't seasoned adults. Mm. Uh, You know, if you're coaching youth football, a lot of times you're 24 or maybe you're 30. It's not like you've had this huge career in sports psychology or anything. And so she's like, most likely they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to respond to a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old in pain. And it was overwhelming to them. So their stock response was walk it off Mm -hmm. because it takes uh, some emotional kind of fortitude to get down on one knee and to embrace a child and to let them feel pain. You need to know what to do with that. And if you don't know what to do with it, you don't know you're going to project that onto the kid. Yeah. But so that's what I grew up with as the model is that I just need to be tough. I just need to shake it off. I need to ignore these pain signals. Uh, And just push through things and just redline things. And so I'm curious and see what you think. Will Disley talking about that. In our era... That would have got razzed in the locker room. When this story hit the Seattle Times, you would have got razzed by the coaches. You would have got razzed by your other players. You would have got razzed probably by the training staff. And it would have been, you would have been taunted. You need to talk about it, Will. Hey, Will, you need to talk. Like it would have been a whole thing, probably for the whole season. Mm -hmm. You would have been labeled as the guy that needs to talk about his feelings. And so I wonder now, I think that he's enlightened. And if a coach can come to you and go, yeah, dude, that, that did have to be tough. Because you were crushing it in the season, and you just had a freak accident. And so to go back-to-back years where you were having to show up at rehab every day when everybody else is playing, that is brutal. And so to reward that instead of rewarding the warrior mentality, instead of rewarding Ronnie Lott chopped off his tip of his finger to play in the Super Bowl, that shouldn't be rewarded. We shouldn't as a culture reward that. Hmm. There's whole documentaries about how great Ronnie Lott was uh, for doing that for the San Francisco 49ers. When in reality we should go, no. You were legitimately injured. You shouldn't chop off your finger to play in a football game. That's not heroic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting and I think uh I I look at my son who's so much more in tune with his feelings. And I've shared this before. A couple months ago, I I love driving him to school. And the reason I love driving him to school is because we have these great talks. And we don't necessarily have these great talks at night because he's pretty wiped out. But in the morning, he has a lot to say. And so I will drive him. We will talk. And one day he asked me, Daddy, what's your philosophy? I'm like, holy crap, I'm 50 years old. I don't think I have a philosophy. I'm like, do you have a philosophy? He started telling me his philosophy. And then he told me uh, that one day, we should take a longer ride going to school because he would like to talk more about his philosophy. Good. I love that. He had a lot to say about that. And then one day I, I was making fun of myself and I was being self deprecating and he looked at me and he goes, you know what, daddy, what you just said about yourself is not true. And he goes, if you want to say that about you or you want to believe that about you, he said, that's on you. That's awesome. That's on you, right? That's amazing. Well, he ha- he ha- he has this little uh group that he meets with at school and they get together and they talk about their feelings. And I have got to listen in to these kids sometimes. They sit in a circle and they talk and 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 it's just not little girls. It's young boys too. And to see them sit there and talk about things that they're experiencing and what they think and what they feel about it. It's so extraordinary. It's so valuable, and especially now, because we have to remember as parents, a lot of us are experiencing trauma. In fact, in a moment, we're going to talk about uh, if you lost your job. A lot of people are experiencing trauma. In the same way that you can transfer that tough guy mentality, right? And, and in fact, with my son, I could, it would have been real easy for me to say, hey, bend over, and I haven't hit you yet. Uh, now now you can cry. I'll give
1: you something to cry about. Yeah,
0: I'll give you something to cry all that stuff. Uh, and I bet that may have happened in my dad's family generationally. That could go back for, for decades and years. So I think it's really important that we as parents... Especially with our kiddos that we give them the opportunity to express emotion and express emotion that we're uncomfortable with. And there are some emotions my son has uh, that I have to sit with and I'm not used to it. And I make myself sit there and sit with it and try not to fix it, especially when he's being bullied. That's the hardest. That's that's the hardest one for me is to yeah, listen, and I, listen to his emotion.
1: And if you are listening to this and you're married to that guy, or you are that guy or gal, um, I invite you to reconsider that. It 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 it's not helpful in the long run to ignore the signals. Yeah, uh, and you go through life and then you have these huge. Cat- catastrophic blow-ups because you kept blowing through every red light everybody's waving their arms for you to slow down mm. and you just i'm not i don't see it i'm a tough guy rubs dirt on and just keep going you're gonna run into a brook or you get t-boned like that's what's gonna happen yeah. you gotta pay attention and it is hard for me it's hard for me to pay attention go oh right like i can stop eating when i'm full I don't have to eat everything, yeah. Because that's just how I was raised. Like you, you stop eating when the plate's empty. Yeah. Uh, you stop running when you can't run anymore, not because you're hurting. Uh, and so, like to to listen to your body and to go, oh, you know what? I'm like totally redlining it right now. I need to take a break. Well, no, you tough guy never takes a break. <laughs> like you just. It's not weakness to pay attention to what's going on. So, kudos to Will Disley. I hope he has a breakout season. I hope they get to actually play some games. Yeah. Uh, And I I hope he stays injury-free for a long time. I like him.
0: We come back. A lot of people have lost their jobs, or maybe your job has changed. Or maybe you've been furloughed, and you don't know if your job's going to come back or not. Let's talk about that, because... We recently lost our jobs, too, and, and I think we learned a couple things from it that maybe we can share with you on the other side of this. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
1: If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team.
0: Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 147. We so appreciate you. We appreciate uh, Les Schwab for sponsoring this. And uh, we appreciate you just coming along on the journey with us. And we love coming along on your journey, too. That's why we create the website, runitonsitdown.com. It's an opportunity for us to sit down and jump aboard your journey. Create a team. Just like we did with uh, Team P Power and Bower, We just sold their house. And it, it, it is a lovely, lovely family. A couple and a little girl, and it was time to sell their home. So we put together this team. It was Ron's idea to come to get, put together teams. Uh, and that's uh, it all starts with a sit-down. So just go to uh, com, and we'll see if we can help you if you're buying, selling, or you're thinking about investing. So before we get out of here, uh, a lot of you know, in fact, it's episode one of the Ron and Don Show, and here we are, uh, episode 147. Episode one, we tell you about losing our jobs in Terrestrial Radio. It's very public. Uh, it hurt immensely. We're just talking about emotions. Uh, and I've shared the story before that I have a, a big mirror in one of my closets. And I sat in front of that mirror uh, for over a month on a little chair, and I would just watch myself cry uh, and try to deal with all these emotions uh, that I was having. And I didn't look at social media. I still haven't read the article in the paper. The Seattle Times, I don't, I'm not sure what it said, but people have told me. And then what was really hard is the hardest part was going to my son's school. And there was a coach there that meant really well. But in front of my son, he asked me why I got fired. Uh, my son had called me and asked me why I got fired because someone had told him. And uh, and it hurt that I wasn't able to share that with him. So th- this incredible pain. Uh, but from that pain, um, I've learned a lot. And one of the things I've learned is even at middle age, because here Ron and I are at middle age, it is never too late. It is never too late to take control and to become the author of your story. And what you do is not who you are. It's not. We're just talking about uh, the way that sometimes we're wired when we're kids. And I know for me, and I've shared this before, I was always asked as a little boy, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be? What are you going to be? Not who you're going to be. Who you're going to be. And I was so tied in. My ego is so tied in, you guys, to being on this big radio station. And we had moved eight times all over the country from places like New Orleans, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Albuquerque, Grand Rapids, Dallas, Phoenix. I think I said San Francisco. We worked everywhere. And then to have it all blown up in a moment, or was it really all blown up in a moment? And what I've had to learn is that what I do is not who I am. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. And so what I have decided to do at 53 years old now is to be the author of my life story as much as I can be. There are things that I don't control, but there's a lot that I do. And so I try to wake up each and every day and not just fall reflexively into the day. Not fall reflexively, but they say if you win the morning, you win the day. And if you can win the day, you win the week. And if you win the week, chances are, as Charlie Sheen would say, you're winning, right? This is the other thing that I would say to you, too. It's never too late. It is never too late to step into your greatness. It's never too late to do that. So, And real estate right now is something that we love and that we care about. but And we want to be great at it. And in a lot of ways, I'm really proud of Ron because he's become great at it. He's become this phenomenal real estate agent. But you know what? It's not who Ron is. It's just what he does. It is not who he is. And it's not who I am. It's just what we do. So if you're out there and you've been furloughed, if you've lost a job and you spent some time sitting in front of that mirror and crying and letting out those emotions, I just want to let you know It's going to get better. It's going to get better. As long as you take that time in the morning or some point during the day and really take care of yourself, take care of yourself, whatever that means. And for me, there's very specific things that I have to do every day to take care of me so I don't fall reflexively into the day. And my goal each and every day is to wake up and to step into my own greatness, to be the greatest dad that I can be, to be the greatest dog owner I can be with little Charlie, be the greatest real estate agent, but also to be the greatest human and to help as many people as I humanly can possible. And that's what we try to do on this podcast. What have you learned, and what would you say to people out there that have uh, lost a job, they've been furloughed, they're sitting at home, and they just have a lot of fear right now? We've experienced all that, right?
1: Yeah, I think... um... I have some jokes in my mind, but this is not the time to tell them. But uh, the, the, I guess the, the thing that I was listening to you is, is, is all of that stuff you said was true. Uh, and the thing that I've been thinking about lately is when you do take control of that, there's a couple things that, that I've, I've learned this year and a half or so. And, and one is this concept of following your passions complete crap. Don't follow your passion. All right. Be passionate about the things you're passionate about. Don't try to make those your vocation. All right. F- uh, follow your curiosities. Because they
0: don't always make money. Right? They don't always make money. Yeah.
1: And your passion shouldn't be. Some people that happens to line up, but most people it doesn't. Yeah. 99.9% of people do not get paid for their passion. So that's a pipe dream. Don't do it. But don't lose your passion. Don't, yeah. Still have a passion. Just don't think it's going to be a money generator. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend of mine that's writing his seventh book. Hasn't sold any of them. Mm. He writes because he's passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If someday one of his books takes off awesome, but that's not why he writes. Mm -hmm. Um, So follow your curiosities. And if you follow that long enough, you're going to stumble into the thing that you're curious about and can make you money. Uh, The second thing is to be honest about your aptitude, be honest about it. Uh, And I hope I'm not saying something that will hurt your feelings. Don sucks at the computer. Mm. All right. He has no aptitude for it. And, And likewise, I don't have a huge aptitude for fitness. And so I have to manufacture it every single time. Mm -hmm. Whereas you can just go out and enjoy fitness. Like I know sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just checking it off on the day, but I know there are times that you just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You're out there, you're running through the woods, you're riding your bicycle, whatever, and you're. Yes, you're doing it because you know it's good for you, but you also enjoy it. And so you have an aptitude towards that that I don't have. So if I'm going to do that, I have to manufacture it every single time. And that is difficult to do and and sustain. Likewise, if you have to do a a complex task on the computer, you have to manufacture it every single time. You just don't have the aptitude for it. So my point here being is find your aptitude. And the thing that doesn't feel like work to you, like I can sit here and I can whip things out on the computer quickly and efficiently. I'm good at it. My mind works that way. Uh, I enjoy a lot of it uh, because I like to figure things out. I like to just kind of solve the puzzle of it. I like the fact that I get to check it off the checklist when it's done. And so there's a part of it that I enjoy. Sometimes it's drudgery. You know, if I have to edit a bunch of stuff in a row, yeah, I don't enjoy it every time, but I have an aptitude for it. So I figured out a way to take that aptitude and to take the Tens of thousands of hours that I have built up of muscle memory of doing these tasks just over the years and then find a vocation that where that's valued. Mm. Doing real estate is a lot of computer work. Mm. And so part of it, part of the job is that and part of the job is, is people skills. I'm good at those. I have an aptitude for both of those arenas. Mm. And so I found a job that pays well for those aptitudes So it would be really dumb for me to take my aptitudes and go find a job where those aptitudes are not rewarded. And so people, it always amazed me when I hear people like
0: male stripper, for instance, you try that for not.
1: I don't know an aptitude for it,
0: especially during COVID. Not very rhythmic. It has been really hard to
1: get tips. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So you'll you'll hear these people that bitching complain about their job, sometimes for years. And it's like, well, why don't you change your job then? Take the aptitude that you do have and go find a place that rewards that. And so if you um, are finding yourself out of work right now, what is your aptitude? Maybe, and here's a brave thing to do. Go to people that know you well and maybe have worked with you in the past and in, in, in an honest way, say, no judgment zone, assess my aptitude. What, if anything, am I good at? And you have to be very humble. It was humbling. I almost said the word humiliating, but not in that way. It was humbling for us to go from sort of this stature of there is stature to being Ron and Don on the afternoon drive radio for 13, 14 years. That had a certain cachet in the community to go from that to say, teach me how to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this thing that's right you have to teach me how to do it what is my aptitude where is my blind spot how do i get better at this new thing you have to have a sense of humility to do that and so my biggest advice to people would be like get an honest assessment if you go to people you know your spouse your friend of 20 years your coworker that you just got fired with that knows you well and has seen you under under pressure say what am i good at what is my aptitude and if you get zero if you get blank stares back well, that's a different story and like uh, that's a longer show but if you get back hey you're and if people are just like oh you're great no specifically specifically tell me what it is that i was good at i we had a, a former program director said ron you're very good at explaining things i don't know if you remember this meeting I do, he's yeah. like you're very good at that one of the best i've ever heard mm-hmm. so you know what i do a lot in real estate i explain complex things in a simple way and the feedback I get is, Ron, you're good at that. You're good at explaining these complicated things. I appreciate it. You put it in a way that I understand it. So I've taken an aptitude that I had and applied it to a new job. Mm-hmm. So get those one or two things. And now that you have those, say, who pays for that? Yep. Who pays for things? If you're good at explaining things, what jobs pay for that? Real estate's one of them. Mm-hmm. So you have a complicated transaction and contracts and it's a lot of moving pieces. so I get paid to be able to explain things well. What jobs pay for someone with a good aptitude at computers? I don't know how to program though. So yeah, if I knew how to program I could walk down the street or to Amazon, but I don't know how to program. So this is that job dovetails nicely. So find your aptitude, find your curiosity and then what jobs pay for those? And if you don't have those, there's your starting point. And that's going to be very painful.
0: And you can still stay passionate about things you're passionate If you're passionate about photography, it doesn't mean photography has to pay the bills. You just be passionate about it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I have a friend who's a real estate photographer. And then a couple times a year, he hasn't been able to do it this year, but his passion is taking pictures abroad uh, and very specific pictures. And I won't go into it, but they're really cool. It involves humans, not real estate. Uh, And so that's what he does to plug into that. It's like, hey, I'm really good at taking pictures of homes and flying drones and all that, but at the end of the day, my cup is not flowing over, but my bills are paid as a result of that. So, So I think that's all really good advice, you guys. Just remember, what you do is not who you are, and you can step into your greatness and be the author of your life's story anytime you want to but you can't do it if you're feeling sorry for yourself can finish with this my mom taught me this if you need to feel sorry for yourself donald then you go do that and really feel sorry for yourself and really feel it touch every emotion I had this conversation with her when we lost our jobs and trust the radio. She's like, go feel those emotions for as long as you need to feel them and then be done with it. Just be done with it. And then launch, just launch and step into your greatness. So thanks to Virginia for helping me out with that. That's a good one. Yeah. You guys keep your head up, your shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Step into your greatness, you guys. All right. Step into your greatness. See you next time for episode 149 and 150 and 151. Only on
1: the Ron and Don Radio Network.
0: Ron and Don. (laughs) You good?